chatting to a guy, well-educated uni student. Uh, he goes to church regularly, uh, active in advocating for refugee rights, and we'd been happily meeting up to read the Bible together for a couple of months. One day we were talking about how we hear from God. He said to me, well, God might speak to me through the Bible, but he also speaks to me through TV shows and books, kind of anything really. just helps me to see a connection and, I, and you know, I'm hearing from God and I notice something. It did make me wonder why we'd bothered to catch up to read the Bible, like we could have just been you know, watching movies together. Uh, there's a few questions I would have loved to have asked, asked him if I'd thought of them at the time. Uh, like, you know, if this is how God speaks to us, uh, then how can we ever be confident that we are indeed listening to the voice of God, uh, not just the voice of a TV producer or, or an author trying to sell books or a social media influencer uh, or an AI bot even? Which parts of a TV show are from God? And do we just no, we have an intuition. In my experience, my intuition, my gut feelings, are about, they're running at about 50-50. They've helped me make some of the best decisions in my life and they've led me into one or two of the worst. But my friend is right at one level. There are lots of places that we can search for God's voice. Uh, I had a different friend who was into spiritualism trying to get in touch uh, with the spirits of the dead and to get guidance and wisdom from them. Uh, I think I've told you about my hairdresser uh, who is a a Reiki practitioner. Uh, There's a psychic near us. Uh, During the lockdown, they had a sign-up offering uh, to do readings over Zoom. Uh, Apparently, the pandemic was a great time for the mystical arts. Uh, Interest in supernatural readings doubled in April 2020. Uh, Perhaps uh, people out of maybe fear or grief or wanting a bit more control were searching for for meaning and hope and and clarity. So where do we find that clarity? Where do we find the the clear, unambiguous voice of God? I wonder what you would say. I wonder what your friends and colleagues would say. Is it even possible? If you're more of a scientific, uh, if you're from more scientific kind of bent, Maybe it's just a fool's errand. Why are we even bothering trying to hear the voice of God? But we should be a bit wary uh, before we rule God out of the picture altogether. Science can help us explain the natural world. can't actually tell us what might exist beyond that, beyond the world that we can empirically observe. can't actually rule God in or out. Now, some of us have looked to the Bible to try to find God and hear his voice. Uh, Perhaps you've had the experience of of many people, you started at the beginning, where else would you start? And you soon found yourself lost in this strange and foreign world of the Old Testament. If this is God's voice, well, it doesn't sound very uh, clear at all. Why isn't he speaking to me about my issues, uh, about things that, that matter to me? Well, as we've heard, we're starting a new series today in the book of Hebrews. Uh, We don't actually know a lot about the book uh, that we call Hebrews. Uh, We're not sure who wrote it, who the author is. Uh, The author doesn't name themselves in the book, uh, doesn't directly name the recipients for us either. Uh, They seem to be Christians from a Jewish background, we can kind of deduce. Uh, But let me say, the author of this book does have some sympathy for you 
uh, if that's your experience of being lost in the Old Testament. Because the book starts out basically saying in verse 1 that the Old Testament, yeah, it is a bit piecemeal, uh, piecemeal and incomplete. You see in verse 1, yes, God has spoken, but it was at many times and in various ways. Lots of different bits. Uh, and it was to our ancestors rather than directly to us. So the, the revelation, the, uh, the revealing of God in the Old Testament comes in parcels, bit by bit. You don't get everything in one place. It, it unfolds over time. And God is speaking into different social and cultural contexts. It's written to ancestors, different people in different times and places with some different issues from us. Uh, that doesn't sound so promising, but there's good news for us. There is good news for us because if, if this is to be trusted, then it means God has spoken. God has spoken. If God hadn't spoken, then our search for meaning, uh, our desire for purpose and direction would be in vain, wouldn't it? How would we ever find God if he didn't want to make himself known and be found by us? But he has spoken. He has spoken, we're told. And it's an interesting choice of word there, isn't it? He has spoken. Not just God has appeared or, or God has revealed himself or he's revealed things to us, but God has spoken. That means God's revelation is verbal. He uses words, even human words, wonder of wonders. He, he speaks our language. He reveals himself to us in terms that you and I can understand. He uses language to reveal himself to us. So friends, if you are searching for God, if you want to know his will, take heart from these verses because you're not searching in vain because God has spoken to reveal himself to us. He's done it verbally in words that we can understand. But there's even more good news here uh, because God didn't just speak in the past to our ancestors in that piecemeal way through the prophets. Now we're told he has spoken definitively, ultimately, finally in his Son. Previously God spoke to our ancestors. Now he speaks to us. He spoke in the past. Now he speaks in these last days, our days. That's uh, such an intriguing statement about the times we live in, isn't it? And we're told that uh, then he spoke uh, through the prophets, humans appointed to carry his message to his people. Now he's spoken by his son. And what a son he is. We're going to have a look at this son's CV in just a moment. But here's the amazing point. If God's revelation is verbal like we saw, which it is, he speaks, then here we see it's also personal. He's spoken not simply in text that descends from on high, as other religions might have it. No, Christianity says God came in the flesh. He speaks by his Son. And here's why this makes such a big difference because it means that when we listen to God's words, we're not 
simply listening to words. We're actually meeting with God personally. As we listen to God's words, we're encountering not simply a cold, dry lecture. We meet his son as we hear his words. So again, if you're searching for God, not only can you hear from him, even more than that, you can meet with him. Right? You can get to know him because he's spoken by his son. Well, let's see who this son is. Uh, there's so much packed into these uh, few verses. I can't do it all uh, justice now. But this short paragraph is like a, an introduction, kind of like uh, I heard someone describe it as the abstract, right, at the start of an article. Uh, it tells us the key details, which are going to be unpacked and fleshed out in lots more detail through the rest of the letter. So we've got seven more weeks to get through the first half of Hebrews. So there's lots to, to unpack. Um, but this letter, it's actually written like a speech, by the by, the by. So this is like the, the big introductory statement at the top of the speech. Let's take a look at this son. Uh, after all, if God is speaking to us, if this son reveals God to us, then our view of God will be shaped by our view of his son. If his son appears small and distant and insignificant to us, well, so will God. But if we feel the glory and the power of God's son... Well, so too we will feel the glory and power of God. A few years ago, my grandmother died. Uh, she kindly left to all her grandkids, uh, all 14 of us, an inheritance. And now I can say I am the proud owner of the tiniest sliver of one of our major banks. She left us some shares. Uh, I, pr- I proudly own the equivalent of uh, perhaps the doormat at my local branch, which is very exciting. Uh, I've got this inheritance from my grandmother, but don't think I'm ungrateful because actually this gives me a sense of ownership and control. Right? I can vote in their meetings. I care about how this bank goes now. Right? Well, how much more this son, who is the heir of all things, not just a tiny sliver of a bank, right? and not just institutions, but societies, monuments, rivers, forests, stars, galaxies, cultures, families. He is the heir of all things. He has ownership of all things. He cares about all things because he is the heir. And it's fitting that he is the the heir because he also helped create all things. Uh, if you've read uh, this very start of the Bible in the beginning, in Genesis 1, we're told God said, let there be light. A- and there was light. Again and again in Genesis, God speaks and it's created. It is so. God creates by his speech, by his word. Uh, and so we now see uh, that this word is his son by whom he made the universe. So that means that this Son of God is not created like the rest of the universe. Not like you and me. It actually means this Son existed long before he was born of Mary two millennia ago. He exists eternally before the universe was created because it was created through him. Uh, This actually helps us make sense of a few of the statements 
that we uh, say at church. Every now and then we say the Nicene Creed. Uh, that's the longer one of the two creeds that we say. Uh, and it's got a few key lines. We say, uh, we believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. As we read Hebrews 1 today, we can see where a couple of those lines come from. Uh, Verse 3 in our passage says, The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. The, The radiance of God's glory. He is light from light, as the creed has captured it. Not simply a a mirror through whom we see a little of God's glory. No, he himself radiates God's light. His light from light. If you want to see God's glory, look at his son. Because the son also is the exact representation of his being. Uh, Now, I've been told in the ancient world, if you wanted to make a coin, right, you need your press and a stamp, uh, you need your, you get your lump of hot metal, don't hold it in your hand, uh, and then uh, you get your stamp and you, you press it onto the metal uh, with the face of your, your king or your emperor or your favourite god, you stamp it and you get an exact representation on your coin. Right? A, a human-made image of your god, if that's what you've stamped, or your king. Well, that's actually the word being used here in Hebrews. The sun bears the exact image of God, the the stamp of God. If you want to see God, look at his son. Not a human-made counterfeit of a God, but God in himself, God himself in the flesh. And so again we see if we have a small view of this son, we'll have a small view of God. Or else we might decouple the son from the Father is another way we can go wrong here. Some pseudo-Christian religions like uh, spin-offs like Mormonism or Jehovah's Witnesses, also Islam, balk at this idea that the Son is fully God. But if we see uh, fully who God's Son is, as he's described here, in his eternal, creative, world-sustaining, God-revealing glory we cannot help but worship him as one with his heavenly Father. And as we see that, God will come alive to us like never before. Because this Son not only helped create all things, he now sustains all things by his powerful word. That means there's intentionality and purpose in our world. We're not a a rock spinning off into a vast Uh, uh, dark uh, universe to be lost. God cares about what happens to our world. He has a purpose and an intention for for his creation and his son is bearing it along to that end. He's sustaining it. That's how powerful his word is, sustaining all things. This is a long CV. We've we've kicked off a few of the items on it. Uh, There's still a few more to go. Uh, You might see there, previous job, making purification for sins. Uh, Why did you leave your last job? Well, it was done. It was finished. There was nothing more to do. That's what the past tense means there. After he had provided purification for sins. 
Jesus alone has made purification for sin in this world, for his death on the cross. And now we see current job sitting at the right hand of God in heaven. Again, we're going to see lots more about these realities uh, in the weeks coming up. But let's remember that this eternal, world-sustaining, God-revealing Son became flesh and then surrendered that flesh to a bloody death on a Roman cross. He made the one true sacrifice for sin. Because here's the other problem. If we're trying to hear from God, we want to find God or listen to God, uh, our problem is twofold. Not only are we lost and distant from God, so we need to, to listen out and find him, but actually we're rebellious against God. We defy him, we ignore him. Our hearts are hardened by sin. A religious approach would say that we need to find God, change ourselves, measure up. It's not what the Bible says needs to happen. The Bible says not only does God need to reveal himself to us by speaking through his Son, he also needs to purify us from our sin, to to take away its stench and stain, to transform us. It's exactly why this same Son, uh, what he's done for us, exactly why he provided purification for sins. If his uh, glorious sovereignty that we've seen in the earlier verses isn't enough to persuade you to listen to him, the author's saying, then what about his suffering and death for you in your place? Might that persuade you? Because this same son who suffered and died for us in humility now reigns in glory seated at the right hand of the Father. Uh, He rules as only the true heir of all things can. The same one who humbled himself to death is now exalted and triumphant in glory. And so he's not only sovereign over the earth and all people and the universe and all created matter, but we see he reigns over all other spiritual beings, above the angels, above any spirits of evil, any spiritual reality or illusion that we might be trying to connect with. He is sovereign over all that. So, so that means if, if you're serious about hearing from God, if you want to listen to God and seek his guidance, don't bother with any of those others. Go straight to the top. You must listen to his son. Don't get distracted by anything else. If you want to know God, you must get to know his son. Don't let other spirits or claims distract you. Don't let your phone or your work distract you. Because those things can distract us from reading his words to us about his son in the scriptures. It's only in the scriptures, the the words of the prophets in the Old Testament, the witness to this son in the New Testament, that we meet with God, that we hear God's words and meet with him. So friends, as we uh, embark on this series together, let's make sure we're attentive. Let's put aside the distractions. Let's open our hearts. Let's listen like we've never listened before. 
Because God is speaking like no one has ever spoken before. He's spoken to us by his Son. Let's pray. Great God in heaven, we thank you and praise you for speaking, for making yourself known. And we thank you and praise you for your Son, for speaking to us in him. We praise you for his majesty and power, for his humility that he has provided purification for sins. We thank you that uh, through him we can draw near to you, listen to you. Thank you that through him we can know you. Give us open hearts and open minds that we might know you better. In Jesus' name, amen.